Well, here's how to make money in the next 48 days. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hi. Yes, you're listening to 48 Days Radio Show, where each week we take 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day, excited to be able to do something that's meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Hey, we're going to talk about making money. Golly, we got some great questions today. We're going to jump right into that topic. You know, I don't know. I don't mention this often, but you know, we have a lot of people listen to this show. I just checked the stats. It's now been downloaded 5,145,168 times. Those are official stats. You know, it's funny how people exaggerate their podcast numbers. Working with one of our sponsors just recently, and I gave them a screenshot of the actual stats. And they commented on that. Nobody does that. And I said, that's because people tell you they have podcast listeners. They include their Facebook likes. They include their blog subscribers. They include their connections on LinkedIn. You know, as people who have access to their podcast. Well, I don't do that. I give people real numbers. But anyway, over 5 million people. Thank you for that. We appreciate that. We have 273 ratings on iTunes. I just jumped over there and looked at those. Again, not something I do often, but I do appreciate that. Uh, when you leave ratings, 273, I didn't see any that were not five star. So I appreciate that. Get notes from people like Journeyman who says, Dan Miller has a style that can take each sojourner's fears and concerns and frustrations about their current job and help to put it in all, all in perspective. In each podcast, Dan takes callers' concerns about their present situation and work and unwraps who they are and who God made them to be. From this, he is able to speak calm and peace into their lives and provide them with some tangible ideas, dare I say, possible solutions. And all of this, Dan's humility and ability shines through as he guides listeners through this maze we call life. Dan has a master at leading each individual from the J-O-B to their calling. Enjoy. Once you start listening, you're going to want more. Well, thank you, Journeyman. Thank you to all of you. If you do get a chance to jump over there on iTunes and leave a review, I would certainly appreciate it. Well, our business partner today is FreshBooks. You hear me talk about them. I'll talk about them a little bit more here in a minute. But you can jump over there to freshbooks.com slash 48 days. Enter 48 days in the How Did You Hear About Us section for a free month. And I'll be telling you a little bit more about that. Well, here's some of the questions that I've got for today that we want to get to. How much do I invest in me each month? People have listened a couple weeks ago. Well, actually, I think it's a couple months ago. I talked about the process of investing, how I've experienced the power of investing in myself, how the purchase, as an example, of that little audio recording, The Strangest Secret, that cost me 15 bucks when I was a 13-year-old kid, what that has led to how that has unfolded. I can track that right through to the generation of millions of dollars. And it's a pretty cool kind of story. That's a few sections back if you want to listen to that one. But somebody's asking, how much do I invest? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell him exactly based on his income. We'll create a formula and you can follow that as well. 
Dan, I have this ambivalence about money. On the one hand, I'd love to be a millionaire, have enough to buy a house or open a retreat center one day, do good things with the money. On the other hand, I feel that if the existence, I feel that as, I feel as if the existence of the rich necessitates the existence of the poor. Like it's a zero sum game. Oh my gosh, I cringe when I hear that. People who are rich did not create the poor. It's a totally different ball game. Well, we're going to talk about that. Somebody says, Dan, I hate my job and I don't want to sell business at this firm because I don't trust them. And somebody offered uh, advice for Rebecca, who last week we talked about. She talked about her um, training in aerospace engineering, but uh, she wanted to get out of that and do something outdoors. Well, we got some suggestions about how she can combine those. Cliff Feitner is our weekly poet, poet laureate, so to speak. Cliff is very active in the 48 Days Eagles community, adds poems in there. I grabbed one this morning. This is what it says. When you think that you are toast is the time you should bear down the most. A momentary setback should not make you crack. In your focus, you should be more engrossed. Well, I love that. Hey, I'm going to be sharing a story, just a delightful story from one of Rabbi Daniel Lappin's books. And I grabbed a quotation while I was in there that says, business is a spiritual endeavor and it brings us closer to one another and closer to God. Now frame that against how we often hear business referred to, like it's some evil kind of nasty monster. Companies are bad. No, business brings us closer to one another and closer to God. Well, our business partner today is FreshBooks. You hear me talk about them? It's a way to make your accounting easy. So you keep on top of things. There are few things more frustrating to us in small business or individuals who are trying to maybe create income on the side than to have bookkeeping that's a mess to not really know are we making profit you know i I talk about people who are getting involved in amazon people going through you know the amazon proven amazon course that we recommend and all of a sudden yeah gee they sold ten thousand dollars in revenue they had ten thousand dollars in revenue last month well my question is what was your profit i mean if you spent eighty five hundred dollars on goods and getting them shipped to Amazon, that's not a big profit month. So don't confuse gross income with profit. Well, FreshBooks can help you with that. Tracking your expenses all the way through. Mobile expenses, you can take pictures of receipts when you're out and make all those things flow together a whole lot easier. If you have lunch with somebody, it's a business expense, just take a snapshot of the receipt can go right into your accounting, keep you on track. So make sure you're up to speed. Use FreshBooks. Get your month-long unrestricted free trial. No credit card or anything required. Just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and then enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Now I got some good news stories. I got a couple here I'll go through quickly because I want to get to the questions as well. But I love these good news stories that we hear. Well, Matthew McConaughey, you know him, the great actor. Uh, let's see, he's a spokesman for Lincoln as well. But he surprised some strangers by handing out 4,500 turkeys on his 48th birthday. You know, I love these stories about people who are celebrities but use their celebrity status to do things that are worthwhile for communities. He went back to his hometown of Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, 
turned 48 years old on November 4th, just a couple weeks ago. So he volunteered his time to hand out 4,500 turkeys that were donated by Butterball to families in the area. But uh, just one of those things, it was an, part of an initiative with Wild Turkey Distillery called Wild Turkey Gives Back. So they're located, that whiskey brand is located near Lawrenceburg. He went back, surprised people, showed up, handed out 4,500 turkeys. Cool deal. Well, here's another story. Bill Gates just pledged $100 million in the fight against um, Alzheimer's. He has some family members that have been affected by it. And he says it's, it's the one disease where we don't really have recognized cures or treatments for it. It just is rampant. And he says you have a nearly 50% chance of developing Alzheimer's if you live into your mid-80s. Wow. I mean, I want to live well into my mid-80s and beyond. Most of the guys in my family always have done that. And I sure don't want to be dealing with Alzheimer's. Wow, what a tough kind of thing. So he's donated $100 million to find a cure. You know, most of the things that we deal with, you know, have cures. I mean, there's so many advancements in science these days. If Whether it's diabetes or whether whatever it is, ways that we can reverse those things. This is certainly one that's been rampant. Of course, there's a lot of tie-in to diet and the kind of lifestyle that we're leading up to it. So you can't wait until you get it and try to do away with it. The best way is to start preventing the things that would lead to Alzheimer's, you know, when you're 25 years old. Well, thanks to Bill Gates for his $100 million, that ought to help. Well, here's one, not so much money involved, but a great principal, Tyler Updick, says he didn't think twice after he found a lost wallet with $1,500 inside. The 18-year-old from California immediately returned the wallet to its rightful owner and is now earning praise for doing the decent thing. He said, I really just thought about what I would want somebody to do if I were to drop my wallet. And then I thought about, you know, the people that live there, the family that lives there. He was delivering flyers to homes in Elk Grove in that area. And as part of his uncle's business strike zone pest control so he was putting flyers on doorknobs and he spotted a wallet in the ground out in somebody's yard well it was pretty easy to suspect that it belonged to somebody in that house so here's the cool thing he knocked on the door to give the cash back but the lady inside was too afraid to answer the door to a stranger so he he saw that there was a surveillance camera so he held the wallet up to the surveillance camera, and then tucked it in under the doormat and then left. Well, that act of kindness and honesty, uh, she put the video clip of the surveillance video up on Facebook. The clip was went by, viral. He's been t- contacted by CBS in Sacramento and all kinds of things. He says, golly, I was just doing what I Thought that good people ought to do. He didn't think twice about it. And then the lady who lived in the house says, well, it's sad that I didn't trust him enough to open the door when he was just doing a good deed. Well, you can understand her perspective as well. But anyway, a a story that ended up well. What would you do if you found a wallet somewhere with $1,500 in it? Now, let's just assume that, you know, the driver's license is there, credit cards and all that. You're just going to consider it, you know, your your happy day and uh, go do something crazy? Well, I hope not. I hope that you would make every effort possible to find the rightful owner of that. And we have countless stories of people who did that because it's the right thing to do.
All right. Hey, I got a comment here from Dwayne who says, Dan, thanks for your good work. However, I'm not aware that the real employment rate has changed. I, I talked recently about us being at a historic low in unemployment. He says the 4.4 may be official, but that doesn't include those who stopped looking. I hear the real unemployment is much higher and I haven't heard of it changing as much as 20% at one point, as I recall. Well, he links to an article by CNBC where they talk about, you know, a lot of people are discouraged. They don't think there's work. And so they've stopped looking and they aren't accounted for in the unemployment numbers. Well, that's true. You know, the government, I get the Bureau of Labor Statistics every month on unemployment, and they have a category that they call discouraged workers, which means people have stopped looking because they don't think there's any work for them. Yeah, that's a real category. So you can make all kinds of speculations. I mean, getting statistics on unemployment is, is a government kind of issue, and it's unwieldy at best. But their stats are showing 4.4 as the official well, I've got another update for you here in just a minute as well that even is lower than that. But those discouraged workers that they talk about, so they categorize hundreds of thousands of people in the discouraged workers arena because they're no longer looking for work. Well, you know what they don't track? Last year, we had over 800,000 Americans that started their own businesses. A lot of those people that the government categorizes as discouraged workers, they're not even looking for work anymore. Yeah, they're not looking for a J-O-B because they figured out how to make money on their own. And they just moved into that. So what's not accounted for in those stats are the people who have stopped looking. And they're not sitting still. They're not parked on a curb somewhere, wringing their hands. Man, they jumped in the game. They got a little business going. They're doing fulfilled by Amazon. Or they got things on Etsy that they put up or on eBay that they put up. They figured out they can buy cameras on Etsy or they can buy cameras on Amazon and they can put them back up on eBay and get open bidding on them and double their money. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people are doing. Now, here's an update on that. The U.S. unemployment rate is actually now at 4.1, lowest level in nearly 17 years, it's down. In the month of September, now we just, you know, don't have all the accurate numbers yet for October, but in September, employers added 261,000 net new positions. Net new positions mean we may have, let's say that we lost 50,000 jobs, but this is net new positions. So those have been replaced in addition, an additional 261,000 new positions in the month of September. Now, a lot of that was created because of the hurricanes, Harvey and Irma, because there's a whole lot of construction jobs that have been created. Matter of fact, um, you know, they're predicting another 300,000 net new positions for the month of October. I mean, this is what's happening, folks. I mean, when, when, when you hear somebody that says, gee, nobody's hiring, there's no jobs. There's a problem with that. There's a problem with that. You know, you know what the average hourly earning is now? The average hourly earnings is $26.53 an hour. That's the average hourly earnings that the, again, the U.S. Labor Bureau is reporting. I mean, 
things are pretty stinking good out there. And if you need an opportunity, it's a great time to put yourself in the driver's seat and get out there and make things happen. Try something new. There, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You try something new, if it doesn't work, my gosh, go out tomorrow and get a job somewhere. Now, again, I know, you know people say, well, yeah, you can get an entry level job, no benefits, you know, paying 15 bucks an hour. Well, do that. That's better than sitting at home. And the people I see who are sitting at home for three years, I mean, come on, get out to go to Home Depot and get a job making 18 bucks an hour. I think that's better than getting nothing. So... Uh, be careful about the perfect or nothing. You know, work your way, prove your worth, and move up quickly. Well, I could go on. Let me go into some of the questions. This comes from Mike, who says, Dan, this is Mike in Foley, Alabama. I need your help. I love your podcast. Been listening for several years. I call you my podcast older brother. He says, do you know what, to, what uh, I'm, I'm reading this on Wednesday, November the 15th. He says, do you know what yesterday was? I figure you do, but it's 48 days till the new year. Well, yeah, you better believe it. I mean, November 14th was a big day for me. That's the day when I know it's now a countdown, 48 days to the brand new year. But it also is the time for me to have all my goals set clearly in place, because I know that if I have my goals outlined, written down in place, clarified, it's amazing what happens in those 48 days. Even though my focus is to have the new year where I focus on those goals, you know what happens? Because they're so clear in my mind, they just start coming into view. The things that I had as goals, I mean, it's like magic dominoes start falling down and doors start opening. Same will be true for you. Incidentally, if you need to get that, go to 48days.com slash goals. That puts you right into our, our brand new, beautifully designed goal sheet. It's absolutely free. You can get it there so that you identify what they, what those goals are going to be. So please, please do that. Well, anyway, Mike says, my problem is I've been cooked in the squat. It's an old Zig Ziglar term. You know what I mean. I've been going to start my blog, write a book, even make a podcast since about 2012, Wow, here we are five years later. I mean, that can happen. I've just allowed fear to consume me and I'm not willing to put myself out there. I think I've finally figured this out, but I want to run my plans by you. I want to start today and invest the next 48 days in myself. I work in a cubicle job in financial aid at an online university and deliver papers four days a week so I don't sleep. I plan to take action starting today for the next 48 days while investing in myself every day, spiritually, physically, emotionally, and starting today financially. I love that you've embraced the Amazon t-shirt thing. That's merch because that's the vehicle I want to use to be able to quit my paper job and other side jobs by the end of the year. 48 days from now, I make about $400 a week. So I've got to replace that income. They say in the TLK he's got here, his blog is titled doingitafraid.com. And he's um, taken up Jeff Goins' 30-day writing challenge as well starting today. He says, my question is regarding my investment in me based on my income each month. My multiple jobs pay me about uh, $55,000 gross. I've got two teenage girls, quite a few bills. Based on your formula, how much do I invest in me each month? All right, let me just stop there. I'll just uh, jump to my answer for that so we can move on. So Mike has multiple jobs. Uh, he's using Amazon merch to get some designs up there, making money there, making about $55,000 a year. How much does he invest in himself? Well, here's the deal. 
Uh, and yes, as I mentioned, I'm well aware of the significance of November 14th being 48 days to the new year. And yes, I'm ready to go. I'm really ready to go. And yes, I do believe in this principle of investing in yourself. Now, based on my formula, my formula, I, and I recommend that you invest 3% of your income into yourself, your own personal improvement. If you're making 10 bucks an hour, invest 3% of that back into yourself. So, and then I recommend when you hit $50,000 a year that you increase from 3% to 5%. Now that's the max. I don't suggest that when you hit $100,000, you increase it anymore, 5%. But at $50,000 a year, 5%, that'd be $2,500 a year, $55,000, a little more than that. So that's $2,750 for the year, Mike, that you should have to invest in yourself or $230 a month. Now, yeah, you may not have that excess. You may think, wow, with two teenage girls, college coming and all that, you know, you don't have that. But so you can't think about it in that way. That's not something to do after all the bills are paid and you see if there's any money left over. If you do that, it'll never work. And you'll get stuck in mediocrity and just stuck in the same results you have now. If you believe in the principle of investing in yourself, just like I would expect you to believe in the principle of the tithe, where if you give 10%, the 90% somehow magically expands to be more than the 100% would have been if you kept it all for yourself. I mean, if you believe in that principle, I believe in this principle every bit as much. Invest in yourself and you'll see that kind of exponential return come back. So 230 bucks a month, my gosh, that's awesome. I mean, you say that you just applied for the Eagles community. Awesome. Uh, right now, that's a 30 bucks. We're getting ready to raise it to 36, but it's 30 bucks. So that's only $30. If you're 230, you still have $200 a month to buy books, online courses, go to workshops, seminars, conferences. There's all kinds of things you can do with that much money to invest. So I commend you on that. Golly, that is awesome. Awesome. Hey, one of the things about the 48 Days Eagles community, I want to just mention this because last week I talked a little bit about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, it's an old concept. Well, but it comes from back in the 50s. And at the very bottom, we have safety, you know, just food, water, air. I mean, if you don't have those things, that's what you're concerned about. And Maslow saw that as people fulfill the needs in one level, then they open themselves up to moving up. So the things that he identified, the five levels were safety at the bottom, then security, you know, having a home to live in and knowing that you're going to be safe tonight when you sleep. The next level, the middle level is belonging. That sense of wanting to be connected with other people, wanting other people around you, want to be part of some kind of a community. You can't move up to the top levels unless you have that one addressed. So there's belonging, then the next levels are self-esteem and then self-actualization. But you can't move up into being everything that God designed you to be, according to Maslow's theory, unless you have a community that you're part of. Well, what we find in today's workplace, and a lot of other things that have maybe diminished somewhat, is people don't have communities where they're going to someplace. They can be pretty isolated. Well, what we do in the 48 Days Eagles community is provide that sense of community so people can support each other, encourage each other, connect when they're going through bad times. We had somebody recently whose son committed suicide. The outreach of people in the community was amazing. 
People sent gift baskets, flowers, condolences, meals. I reached out to this lady who is a member, a very active member in the 48 Days community to show their support in that time. Now, here's the deal. I just heard this recently from the author of the book that talks about blue zones, areas in the world where people live extraordinarily long. They, they have way too many people based on expected statistics that are over 100 years old, blue zones. There's an area in Singapore, there's an area in Denmark, and there's a part of Costa Rica that are the highest as those blue zones. Here's what the author of that book said. If you don't have three friends, you can call on a bad day. It shaves eight years off your life expectancy. Now think about that. Let that soak in a minute. If you don't have three friends, you can call on a bad day. It shaves eight years off your life expectancy. That's exactly what smoking does. So if you don't have three friends, you can call on a bad day. Your life expectancy is cut in the same way as if you're a smoker. Wow, that's pretty grim. I hate to think about if you're a smoker and don't have any friends. That's you're about to check out now, I think. Well, make sure that you seek to have those three friends you can call on a bad day. We'll provide you with that. Hey, go check out 48dayseagles.com. Here's, here's another fact from that book. If you add one happy person to your life, your own chance for happiness goes up by 15% immediately. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, be around happy people. Another reason people are drawn to the 48 Days Eagles community. There are happy people in there who are sharing some really cool things about what's going on. Well, now here's another one that has to do with money. We talk about, you know, as you invest in yourself, we expect the return to go up. You hear me talk about, I expect anybody who invests in anything at 48 days to get a 10 times return in the next 12 months. If you don't, I want to know what happened. Something went wrong. I believe that solidly in the principle of that kind of return. So here's a question from Andy. This is another one about money. Dan, I have this ambivalence about money. On the one hand, I'd love to be a millionaire, have enough money to buy a house or open a retreat center one day, continue to create music for the world, do good things with the money. And then listen to this. This sentence blows me away. On the other hand, I feel as if the existence of the rich necessitates the existence of the poor, like it's a zero-sum game. I'm sure my ambivalence is in no small part due to my parents constantly fighting and screaming at each other about money. Tied to this, I'm a musician and piano teacher living in Houston, Texas, but I seem to be unable to keep enough students to sustain an income. I frequently feel like a failure because I'll seek out jobs just for the paycheck, however meager, and then quit them within weeks because I get very bored or depressed with the work. I know my mission is to create beautiful music and to connect people in doing so, either with each other or with their own emotions. Thanks in advance for any help you can give me. You're a beacon for many lost souls. All right, so we have this zero-sum game mentality, meaning that we view money as a pizza. So if I take a piece, there's less for everybody else. That's not how money works. We create money by serving each other. Dave Ramsey uh, talks about money creates two dreamers. 
I mean, money is just what facilitated the relationship. If somebody comes to me and they want coaching, yes, they pay me money for that. Am I now richer and they're poor? Well, I hope not. I hope that the coaching, if they are a part of my $4,800 package, Eagles Club Coaching, I hope that they get a 10 times return. That would be an additional $48,000 that they're going to get in the next 12 months. That's what I anticipate. I don't anticipate them to be poor. I mean, if somebody buys a 48 Days to the Work You Love book, pays 20 bucks for that, wow. I mean, what, what does the money do for me? Geez, I can take my granddaughters to Taco Bell for lunch and it's gone. You know, very quick, short impact. It's gone. But what if somebody reads the book and really grasps some of the principles and gets a new sense of how God has gifted them and what that ought to mean in terms of meaningful, fulfilling, profitable work, and they go out with their head held high and they get a job that pays $20,000 more than the previous job they had because of the confidence and techniques that they uh, that they attain from reading the book. That's what I expect to happen. I don't expect them to be poor. That would be a horrible mentality. We get money by serving other people well. And a lot of times, you know, now, now think about this. In, in people that you know, who is greedier? Who is more possessive and willing to steal or cheat to get money? People who are poor or people who are wealthy? Well, I know what my experience and observation is. I mean, look, go into a poor neighborhood. You better hang on to your wallet. Go into a wealthy neighborhood and you drop your wallet with 1500 bucks in it. People will go out of their way to track you down and get it back to you because it's the right thing to do. Well, let, let me tell you a story. I, I Because of this, I remembered in my reading a story from Rabbi Daniel Lappin. I told you I had a quotation. We started with his quotation today. But there's a story in Business Secrets from the Bible that I absolutely love because he talks about how money is created. You know, a lot of times I hear the millennials talk about capitalism. You know, they want to break the system, do away with it. Capitalism is evil. Come, are you serious? Show me a better system. I mean, call it what you want. But the process of capitalism is a natural kind of exchange between people, no matter what it is or what you call it. It's not a negative word. I mean, if, if you grow potatoes and I want some from my family and I happen to grow tomatoes and we meet on Saturday morning at the farmer's market and I give you some of my tomatoes for your potatoes, we just have engaged in capitalism. But it's a reasonable exchange that benefits both of us. And capitalism is an ever-expanding system of increased cooperation among strangers. I mean, wealth is a way of storing energy. Let me, re- let me kind of share that. Capitalism is an ever-expanding system of increased cooperation among strangers. Now, you can make some radical political claims that it's something other than that, but I will beg to differ on that. When we, there is an exchange of money, everybody is better off. I mean, am I angry at Apple because I paid money for the beautiful computers that I have sitting in front of me in my office? Wow. What those computers allow me to do 
the way they allow me to generate money, I want to kiss the ground where Apple was started because of that. Everybody's better off. I mean, no one's poor as a result of someone else getting money. I mean, if it is, that, I mean, the, the people who really have that mentality, they're going to get money and the people end up poor. That's a short-sighted view of what business is or what capitalism is. I mean, they're going to be short-lived in what they're doing. Okay, here's the story. Now, check this out. I want you to really hear this. If we don't do anything else today, if we end with this, it's perfectly fine. This is a story out of Business Secrets from the Bible where Rabbi Daniel Lappin talks about his grandpa, a real character. Now, he's fictionalized the story to make a point. But I want to share this story with you because it so clearly shows how money is created and everybody benefits. It's not a matter of somebody takes and somebody loses. Grandpa Lappin had a career as a peddler, which once upon a time was a very noble occupation. Uh, Peddling was the way that many Jews who immigrated to the United States made their living in the 18 and 1900s. They went from house to house and town to town and bartered and sold items for a profit. So Grandpa Lappin knocks on the door of a house and asks the lady who comes to the door if she has any items she no longer needs. She says that she was about to put a wobbly old table out in the alley. It's worth nothing, but the city is going to charge her $5 to cart it away. Grandpa Lappin says he has a better idea. He offers to pay her $5 to take the table off her hands. She happily agrees. Now, just pause here to do a little bit math. How much better off is the lady now that Grandpa Lappin had come to her house? She doesn't have to pay the $5 to the city, and she's getting $5 in cash from Grandpa Lappin. So she's $10 better off because he knocked on her door. Now, keep that in mind. Okay, the story continues. So Grandpa Lappin takes the wobbly old table. He goes to the hardware store. He spends a dollar to get some screws and a brace for the leg and some new varnish. Once he's finished fixing up and varnishing the table, he takes it to another house down the road and asks if anyone needs a table. As it turns out, the man who lives there has a son getting married next week, and he's going to need furniture to furnish the apartment he'll live in with his new bride. The son says he was going to go down to the furniture store to get a new kitchen table for $20. Grandpa Lappin says he has a perfectly good table out in his truck that he just fixed up because it's new. He says they can have it for just $10. Well, the newlyweds take a look at the table and decide it makes a pretty good starter table, so they buy it. So how much better off are the newlyweds? They were getting ready to pay $20 for a table, but they got a perfectly good one for only $10. So they are also $10 in the black. Add this to the $10. The lady who originally owned the table is up. Now the whole community is up $20 because of Grandpa Lappin's wheeling and dealing. But wait, don't forget to take in the till of the hardware store that has another dollar too. So the village has benefited already $21. Now this is before you factor in the money Grandpa Lappin spends for the hotel where he'll spend the night and for the food he'll eat. And he's going to knock on other doors today and make other deals. His presence echoes throughout the economy. And of course, let's not forget that there's an arbitrage, which is the profit made by buying and selling products. Now there's extra money in Grandpa Lappin's pocket too. He paid $5 for the table, spent a dollar fixing it up, sold it for $10 for a cool $4 worth of profit. 
even after creating $21 of wealth for the community, Grandpa Lappin has also created $4 for himself. All this out of thin air. Where does this money come from? Now, this isn't some smoke or mirrors trickery. This is how the economy creates and distributes wealth. It's both mundane and miraculous, simple and perfect. This is the way God designed the economy to work. Money is created when human beings serve one another. Economic transactions create money. We literally will money into being by serving one another. All right, I'm going to stop there. I love that story. I loved hearing him telling it personally one time, but I love seeing it in the book. That's how money is generated. Money is created by serving other people. If you want to get rich, if you want to have that retreat center, if you want to have that great house that you talk about, I've got an easy solution for you. Simply find a way to serve more people or serve people in deeper ways that you already are. It's not complicated. You don't have to manipulate and contrive and have some kind of scheme, have a scam. I mean, these people that have scams where they're trying to take money, I mean, it baffles my mind. If they would use that much creativity in a positive way, they could have all the money they want. You know, to try to do it in that way, then hoping they don't get caught is just absolutely preposterous. It defies every bit of common sense that we could come up with. You want to make more money? Serve more people. There it is. Well, hey, take a break here. We'll go, We'll come back with a couple questions. Got a couple great questions here. We'll come back with those as well. I won't end there, but man, I wanted to get to that story. This ambivalence about money where you suspect that if you get some, somebody else is going to go hungry. It doesn't work that way. You get some, you can help somebody else not go hungry, both in the getting the money in the originally and in the excess money that then you have to help somebody. Well, that's how it happens. Hey, the music there also reminds you, these are real questions from real people, just like you and me. We're, we all are dealing with the, the challenges and the opportunities out here. So if you've got a challenge or an opportunity or success story, uh, shoot it my way. You can just shoot that in to askdan at 48days.com. Be delighted to include it in an upcoming episode of 48 Days Radio right here. Well, this comes from William. He says, I started a new job in September 2016 after stepping away from. Now, I want you to check this out. This is a really cool story. This is a success story, but uh, the way he frames it here is something that is probably right under the nose of a whole lot of you. We're at the end of the year where typically job performance reviews are done. This is an opportunity for you. Now, listen to what William did here. You can probably do the same thing. So he says, I started a new job in September 2016. After stepping away from a small landscaping business I had owned and managed for 10 years, Nine months into my tenure, an opportunity to go back to a previous career in the restaurant business came about. While that opportunity would have been more lucrative, it would have meant moving my family a little over an hour away, as well as working many nights and weekends, both made worse with my children all being under 12 years of age. 
realizing that the money was the only reason I was considering the change and that I thoroughly enjoy what I'm currently doing, I decided to reach out to the property manager and the head of HR to see if there was anything they could do to persuade me to stay. During my nine months here, I was well on my way to transforming my department and drastically improving the look and feel of the property. I expressed to them my love for the job and my love for the company. Also, I carefully listed everything we had accomplished during my time there by comparing each accomplishment to one of the company's eight key values. On the day I delivered my letter outlining everything above, the property manager asked to meet with me and go over it. What he said he could do was to immediately give me a raise equal to 18% of my current salary and an additional 4% in October when merit raises were given. After all was said and done, I didn't have to make any changes with my family. Now I have a 6 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Monday through Friday schedule. So he's got afternoons, all weekends off, and a significantly larger salary, which now exceeds the maximum salary for my position in the company. So what started as a choice with several trade-offs ended up improving my current situation while I continue doing what I love with many opportunities to move up in this growing company. Both and, not an either or. I attribute this success in a greater part to the wisdom I gleaned from you, Dan, and the 48 Days Radio Show. Your advice and encouragement over the years has been invaluable. William, and congratulations. Thank you so much for that note of encouragement and sharing the strategy that you used. Now, you know, that's a great example right there. You got more money. Did you somehow put the company, you know, in a vice and squeeze them? No, you simply shared, reflected back on what you've done to add value to what they're doing. They willingly open their palms to more money, an 18% increase and then another 4%, that's 22% right in one fell swoop. That's pretty significant. My gosh. I mean, if you're making, um, what, $60,000, that'd be another $12,000 roughly just because you had that conversation. Well, this is a great time of year for a lot of you to follow the example that William set there. William from Bruton, Alabama. Abigail. Abigail says, I'm a CPA and an audit senior manager in a public accounting firm. I've been at this firm for 10 years in the public accounting field for 15. I've stayed at my firm because I've progressed. The position allows me flexibility within reason and it pays well. However, I've reached a ceiling because of my firm politics and promises have not been kept. This has caused me to hate my job and I do not want to sell business at this firm because I don't trust them. I'm a hard worker and put in many hours, especially during the busy season, but I have a family and I don't want something I hate doing to take away from family and sleep. My dilemma is I do enjoy accounting and the actual work, but I can't bear the thought of going through another busy season with this firm. Wow. Well, here's the good news. The good news is you're a seasoned, experienced CPA an audit senior manager in a public accounting firm now. My goodness, you ought to be, you're from Texas. Okay, I don't know the particular area. You ought to be able to raise your hand and identify 30 companies within a 10 mile radius of your house that would be delighted to talk to you about being part of what they're doing. I mean, you're in something that's so ubiquitous, meaning that every company needs what you do. You can identify, you can put yourself in the driver's seat, just do a job search. Go right to 
Well, you know, I'll, I'll make sure I send you a copy of the brand new, uh, the new version 48 Days to the Work You Love. So you go through the job search strategy in 48 Days to the Work You Love. You do that, you put yourself in the driver's seat. You don't have to wait on who's hiring or who's running ads in the paper. No, you identify companies that you would like to be connected with. Companies where you think you would conform and be in alignment with the values that they have. And you could do a little research on your own. Talk to people who are already working there to see if it's the kind of company where you'd like to be. But put the feelers out, do a job search where you send out an introduction letter. Four or five days later, you send out your resume and a cover letter. Then you do a phone follow-up. That's a process that's going to get you interviews. And with the background that you describe here, I mean, companies, as we already described, companies are desperate for good people to bring on board right now, desperately looking for people who are clear on what their value is, clear on what their talents are. The opportunities out there are endless. So I would say do a job search immediately. I mean, you can't do your best work in a job that you hate. You can't be your best self and really bring great value in a position where you don't trust the company you're working for. It just doesn't go together. Nobody's winning in this scenario. If they know your feelings, they ought to welcome having you leave, even if it's high season. Knowing what you know, you can't justify saying there. It doesn't matter what you're making. Don't expect that changing is going to compromise the ability to keep on providing for your family well. To keep, expect that a change can increase your income, not decrease. I mean, a lot of people think, well, if I'm going to make a change, I better get ready to, you know, drop down 20000 Why would you think that? Why would you not think just equally as much that the potential is out there to increase by $20,000 the current salary that you've got? If you've been with a company for 10 years, the same company, and you've gotten annual cost of living increases, 3 or 4%, you are very highly likely underemployed, underpaid for what you're doing. It may be in changing companies that you can get a quantum leap up in the income that you have the income that you're getting now. Well, golly, we got more questions here, but you know what? We're going to, we're going to roll into a song. here. I'm going to put in a different song as our outtake today. You recognize this? This was a song that was released back in 1972 by a gentleman named Bill Withers. It's the only song I know of that he was famous for. Lean on me. I talked earlier about the power of community, the power. If you don't have three friends, you can call it a bad day you decrease your life expectancy. This is that classical song, Lean On Me. Sometimes in our lives, we all need somebody to lean on. You better believe it. Golly, I do. I had a situation just recently. I needed some advice. I needed some input. I shared it with close friends. Got some valuable input, things that I could do to move myself forward. We all have those times. Hey, take advantage of those times. Well, in the meantime, thanks for being part of this group this growing group that we've got of people who are in fact finding or creating work that is meaningful purposeful and profitable check out this song we'll carry this out for a little bit here before we fade out if you need somebody to lean on reach out make sure you got those three friends in place check out the 48 days eagles community it's a great place to make sure you got a whole lot of people who care about your success Please.
Just call.